Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Emke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, uh, we are really excited today. We have some some follow-up here, Chris. You know, when we had uh, Mike on last, we didn't know when we were going to have our follow-up interview to kind of uh, wrap this whole saga up. And uh, within a month, here we are uh, back at it. So, yeah. Mike, thanks for taking some time to get back on the show with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike, uh, just in case somebody didn't catch some of our previous episodes when we were talking to you about your experience with the EPA raid and going through the process of dealing with the EPA and the settlements, can you give us kind of a quick rundown of um, why you're on the show today? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name is Mike. I previously owned a diesel shop. Uh, We were raided by the EPA. Um, And for the past couple of years, me and my two business partners or ex-business partners, I guess, uh, because we did close the business down. I uh, have been dealing with the EPA and the feds and the U.S. Attorney's Office and all that fun stuff uh, regarding this issue. So I've been trying to, I guess, get the word out there um, and make it more abundantly clear as to what's going on, since it seems like there's a lot of limited information. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of gray areas, that sort of thing. Uh, so here we are. Now that everything is done, I have been sentenced Um fact, from my understanding, according to the U.S. attorney, I was one of the first sentenced under the new criminal regulations. Um, and that's why we're here to talk about it. Okay. Not not a fun feather in the cap there to be first no. at that. <laughs> no. no, no, it really, uh, really isn't. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad. You know, I on one hand, I can say, OK, well, you know, Hopefully, this is a good thing in the sense that being one of the first, you know, maybe there's a little leniency. The flip side is, is that, well, being one of the first, maybe it's, you know, harsher than it should have been, right? I mean, there's no real way to tell. It could have played out either way, but here we are. Now, did you have an expectation that they were going to be closing your case or finishing up your case as quickly as it did? Because it seemed when we talked last, there really wasn't any clear insight as to when this was going to get wrapped up. Yeah, so last time we talked, I did have a court date, um, but it did get bumped. So that was kind of my hesitation there is, you know, it's happened before. Um, but I did have a court date. It did get bumped by like four days. So, but it, it you know, it finished up, I, I want to say like a couple weeks after, you know, um, we talked last. So. Start to finish, how long has this process been? How long has it been from the EPA raid to sentencing, roughly? Mm two years now how many years were they back backtracking for offering the products that they thought were illegal uh i want to say that was like two two and a half years as well okay and they went after the two and a half years it wasn't the whole time that you were as uh, operating as a business no no that was that was the time frame that they can there there was a lot of I guess, gray area for us, like as far as a business, um, there was a lot of like kind of moving around, getting stuff settled, different things as we started to grow. So that was the time frame. I think it was about two and a half years that they said, okay, from this time to this time, we know that you were doing this. This is what we're coming after. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, So to give give our listeners a little bit more insight. So the EPA showed up uh, with local law enforcement, uh, shut down the shop went through, inspected everything, requested a whole bunch of records, and then started the legal process from there. So legal process involved several court dates from what I remember. Yep. Um, and and how, now we're coming down to the final sentencing. What did that look like? What was that, what was that day in court like? Well, it was uh, interesting to say the least. Um, I can tell you a couple of things. Well, for one, let's start with 
the actual sentence, right? Um, I walked in there, I was um, basically offered a deal. Um, I walked in there with the intention of there being a fine of $66,000 and three years probation. Um, the judge basically said, okay, well, obviously people are still deleting trucks. So I think that we need to somewhat set a precedence here. Uh, so here we go. Five years probation, still the same fine, 180 hours of community service. And oh, by the way, you're going to be on six months house arrest. Wow. What? Yep. Yep. So uh, I, at least I'm not behind bars. But, uh, you know, to show you the severity of, of what's going on, I mean, you know, they, they are being fairly, fairly lenient at this time of like what, you know, because the, the thing that people don't understand is house arrest looks different in all cases, right? Um, your requirements are, are different in all cases. So they are being somewhat lenient. But yeah, I mean, six months house arrest. Um, and essentially, I guess what a lot of people don't understand as well is I, I think I kind of touched on it last podcast, but the judge has the final say, right? So you can walk in the courtroom thinking no matter what, okay? Um, here's the situation. So the class of felony that uh, deleting a diesel truck is, right? So each time, each vehicle that they get you on is one felony. Um, or like, say, in like our case where there was business partners, the actual charge that I got hit with um, that I put out to was conspiracy, right? Which essentially is, hey, we work together to conspire to delete these trucks or violate the Clean Air Act, right? Conspiracy to violate the Clean Air Act. The minimum sentencing for that is 10 months. The max is five, right? So into this courtroom with basically probation saying hey we recommend zero time my attorney of course recommending zero time um and the u.s attorney's office saying well you know part of the agreement is we would recommend minimum the the minimum right well in my mind when we first went through this and kind of talked about the deal it was going to be zero time right and that was kind of the assumption well no the minimum is 10 months so the u.s attorney was still pushing real quick they're like 10 months of probation or 10 months of house arrest or 10 months of jail time? 10 10 months of jail time. Holy shit. Yeah. So, so we walk in there and like I said, you know, and they did say, Hey, look, you know, he's given us all the documents we requested. He hasn't been a pain to deal with, you know, and they said, look, you know, he's, he's been cooperative. He hasn't been hiding from us. He hasn't been, you know, doing anything crazy. Um, You know, so they, they did kind of give what I call a discount. You know, so to, to be quite honest, I mean, the recommendation was seven months, but that, that kind of puts it in perspective, right? So you see these cases where people might have said, you know, they've taken a deal, these previous cases where you're seeing this and say in the deal, you look up these documents, right? Because you can look a lot of these up on the EPA website. In fact, my case should be published now. If it's not, uh, it will be very shortly. Um, and you'll see where, okay, well, we had evidence of 200 trucks, but we're hitting you on 34, Right. So here's something to think about. Each one of those 34 trucks is another felony that you could be facing. So 10 months to five years per felony and a $250,000 fine per felony is what you can look at. Is that separate of the EPA fines? Is that just like the court fines? No, that's, that's, the, that's the law. That is the, the statute that the EPA is enforcing. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... Go on. It's a lot more intense than I guess people really realize. Now, has that been this way or is this just what the new law states? So from my understanding, that when, 
I would have to go back and do a little bit of digging to give you exactly. From my understanding, in 2020, when they came out with the new initiative, that's kind of when it transitioned from civil to, to federal, um, which is why, like, I'm one of the first to be sentenced under this and, and so on and so forth. Um, so with that regulation, though, I can't tell you, like, hey, this is the date they cut off. This is the date they started doing, you know, this new thing. But this is going to be the new precedent that's set. Um, now, because my case is done, I can get a little more into, I don't know how you want to say it, but the po political side of it, right? Um, I said this on the other podcast, so I have no problem saying it here. They come after you, okay? The, I said it before, I don't get the, the feeling that the EPA agents are out there to be vindictive or come after you personally, right? That's not the impression I've got. Same thing with the U.S. attorney. The prosecutors, their job is to prosecute. So that means they're going to do whatever they can, okay? So in this case, and, and this is all on the public side, right? So I don't know how to get the transcripts, but to my knowledge, the, these court cases being public, you can get the transcripts, right? So I'm not saying anything that you guys couldn't go find the documents to and read through. Um, ver verbatim, the, the prosecutor not only tried to push and, and impress on why, you know, I should be sentenced to whatever, bringing up all these statistics about, well, you know, um, each vehicle, the, the statistic was each vehicle, when it's deleted throughout its lifetime, produces 1 million uh, pounds of soot or 1 million tons, right, of, of soot that they're basically saying is settling on the earth. It, it gets into people's lungs and affects with asthma, you know, um, causes cancer, all that sort of stuff, okay? like I said, they are prosecuting. And this is a fact that I don't know if this was a slip up, but quite frankly, I feel that it needs to be known. Um, in this prosecution and in this saying, them trying to push, it was specifically brought up verbatim per the prosecutor. By the way, judge, these diesel trucks are predominant when they're deleted, are typically driven on highways near low income communities, predominantly colored. Not my words, that is the prosecutor's words. So I, I, I bring that up to, to kind of let you guys know that, you know, or let people know they're going to push, the prosecutor's job is to push and, and prosecute, right? So they're going to push whatever the hot political buttons are at the moment, um, right? I, I mean, we can argue all day about literally behind that, but that's, you know, like I said, it's in the transcripts, it's right there, you know, people can look it up. So, what I'm, you know, at, at the end of this, I mean, it, it goes back to what I said before, right? We can fight all day whether, you know, we believe in the law or not. It, it doesn't matter, you know? And when I went to the, the probation office for my little check-in, you know, the, the, they had started asking about the case and I had kind of given a rundown and he said, so if this is such a gray area, right? Because in this, the court, I mean, the prosecutor literally said, you know, told the judge, hey, you know, we're, this is, a unique case. We don't really have a lot of comparables. He's one of the first. Uh, he is the first of the three business partners. Uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, so we're just kind of going off of something we consider, you know, maybe possible similar, similar cases that none of which had to do with diesels, right? So we're comparing like an oil spill or drums of chemicals being spilled, right? Like these are the comparisons we're making because this whole criminal side to the the removing emissions is so new. Um, so when I'm talking to probation, you know, he, he said, well, 
if this is such a gray area, why did you plead guilty? I said, well, because I still violated the law, right? What am I going to do? Waste all this money, right? I mean, we know plenty of people that have fought and fought and fought, right? Here's, here's what I can tell you. If they have the evidence to say you deleted this, you going to trial it is going to prove nothing, okay? They're going to prove you guilty, right? Everybody thinks, hey, if I can fight this, well, instead of taking a deal, I'm going to fight this because I don't believe the law, right? That's nice. You cannot believe it all you want. But if they have evidence to say you tampered with an emission system, guess what? You're fighting it to go to trial to basically try to disprove you tampered with something, right? And that's, I think, an important defining line that people don't understand is like, you're not going to court to fight whether it's it's a legit law or not. You're going to court to say, did you tamper? And if they have evidence to show that you tampered, they're going to get a conviction, right? So the issue then becomes, what are we fighting here, right? And this goes back to what I said before about you, you can't really delete a truck because you don't like the law, right? You can't really do some of these things because you don't like it. We have to go back to the core to change stuff, you know, because the situation that we're dealing with essentially is that um, if you're driving on the highway and the speed limit says 55 and you don't agree with that speed limit, you, you don't just go do basically speed and then not expect to get a ticket, right? If you do speed, there's a chance you're getting a ticket and you know that. So what we're dealing with, I think in the early case here and why I'm trying to do a lot of these podcasts and get this information out there is a situation, well, the, the speed limit's 55, but there's no speeding sign. Or if it is, it's hidden behind the bush and nobody knows where to look for it, right? That's why in the last podcast, I brought this up and said, hey guys, there is a law. Here's where to find the information. This is where the resources are, right? Um, I think a lot of people, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys got comments or whatever on the podcast, but I'm sure a lot of people gave a lot of pushback, right? They might, they probably even talk crap and said, well, it's not great dealing, uh, so black and white dealing with the EPA. It's, it's gray and this and that. Well, it kind of is, right? Like there's, at the end of the day, there's still this law and, and we're not fighting. The, the thing that people misconstrue is, hey, going to court, once you've been charged by the EPA, is solely for the purpose of there is a law currently standing as of whatever date it was put into place. Did you violate that law? And if they can show beyond a reasonable doubt, hey, you did, you know, or hey, you did it X amount of times, like you're getting convicted. There's a separation of where we have to fight on the other side and say, okay, well, we don't agree with the law. So instead of allowing everybody to kind of be so silent and and, you know, these laws get shoved into other bills and this and that and stuff get kind of passed. We have to actually address the issue and say, what is what are we doing as an industry to either one, adapt to these laws or two, to push back and say, hey, we don't agree. And this is why. Well, let me play. Let me play devil's advocate there. Uh, we all knew that it was illegal to delete emissions for a long time. I, I mean, just for a very long time. 2013, H&S got run out of the country by the EPA. I mean, we all knew it since then. It was very hard to be in the diesel industry and not know that it was illegal, but we all thought that we were gonna get fines. And, and the name of the game was, I'll make as much cash as I can, I'll pay off the fines, and when they come knocking, I'll pay my fine and I'll walk. And I mean, and that's it. So if that's the case, if you wanted to stop emissions, not whether or not you should stop emissions deleting, but if you wanted to stop emissions, I mean, the government's hand at some point's forced to be like, okay, well, we'll escalate it. 
right? Well, I think too, look at it from another perspective. Mike, in the in the past podcast, you know, you had said when the business was at its peak, it was a healthy seven figure business. To to be fined, you know, sixty six thousand dollars, like it's nothing. That, that's really not a lot in the grand scheme of things. That are millionaires that have been fined pittance, right? Pittance for what so, they've done. You know, I, I look at it as, uh, you know, it, the law is the law. There's no denying, there's no arguing that, right? And there's a lot of people in a lot of other industries that do illegal things and they don't get caught, right? And it, it's kind of like a free-for-all. How do you feel about the position that you're in being on, at the end of the day, that six-month house arrest, that $66,000 fine? Did they do anything to limit you from ever getting back into the diesel space again and then in that industry to maybe start another business? Yeah, did they Idaho rob you? Like, yeah. What did that look like and how did you feel? What did that look no. like? How did you feel? No. I, no, uh, they didn't do any of that. Um, as far as the, I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, right, we knew it was illegal, right? But there's all these other like, hey, well, it's just a fine. Or, you know, a lot of people believed in the, the waivers, right? I mean, there was attorneys telling people was, that waivers were okay, to be honest. I, I mean, a, and, that was and, a 13, so, 14 era, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. And that's the problem. And, and that's why I'm trying to, I guess, get this out here is like, hey, th this is a lot more serious. Like, I don't think people really understand. As far as how I feel, I mean, obviously it's a hit, right? Like people don't really think about that. To be told, hey, by the way, if uh, for one, I, I mean, like we said beforehand, you know, I, I do sales on my days off. I still turn wrenches, right? Um, I had to submit a copy of my schedule to probation to be like, okay, when are you going to be back in your house, right? Now, they totally have the ability to be like, okay, well, we're going to limit you to work this hours to this hours, right? Luckily for me, they're, they're being very lenient. Um, but, you know, when, when I told them that I worked that much, they're like, okay, well, we don't believe you. You need documents from your work to prove that, right? Okay, no problem, right? So I got to get that now. Um, hey, by the way, if you stop at the grocery store on the way home, that's okay. But you have to let us know and give us a time frame. And, oh, by the way, we might request receipts to find out, like, were you actually at the grocery store? So for you at that point, it's like a violation for your freedom, you know, based off of. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's a big deal. And like, there's a lot of other things that play into this, right? Okay. I, I don't know how, how laws are where you guys are at, but up here in Alaska, I mean, you know, firearm laws, right? They're pretty lax up here. Everybody hunts, right? Everybody fishes. I mean, people go fishing out in bear country, right? So that for nothing else, you might have a firearm for, even if you don't hunt, just simply, hey, I don't want to get eaten by a bear, right? Okay, well, most people don't realize they changed the laws to where it's not just firearms, it's ammunition now, right? So even if you're not in possession of a firearm, if you have ammunition that is accessible, that's a minimum of 15 years is the recommendation now under the new federal laws, right? So you have to watch where you're at, what you're doing, who you're around, um, you, like I said, being on house arrest for the next six months, I mean, I can darn, I, I can barely take a crap without letting them know, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's the way it is, you know, I mean, so it's, it's kind of this thing of like, hey, okay, well, you know, you violated the law, but it's serious, you know, um, hey, you have to let us know if you're going grocery shopping to do basic needs, you know, basically the way mine is set up is you can go to work, you can, uh, medical necessities for you or your family, right? So if I take my wife, kid, my parents the, to the doctor, or some type of, I, I can do that. Still need to let go, 
and with as much notice as possible um, if there's like an emergency or whatever. And basically outside of that, you can go to church or like if you're somebody that's going to counseling, something like that, you can do that, right? But all of that stuff has to be on my schedule. And they have to have times of like, oh, okay, you go to, for example, you go to church, right? What time do you go to church? What time does it start? How long does it take you to get there? Okay, we're going to give you 20 minutes to get there. You say it takes 15. We'll give you 20 minutes to get there. You could be there. And then, oh, service ends at, let's just say noon. Okay, well, you have to be home by 1230, right? So, you know, I, I mean, the, the limitations are crazy that of what they're doing. Now, the flip side is it could always be worse, right? I mean, I could be behind bars. Well, so, and I think that that's something, right? Like, I, I, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, if you could do it over again, would you have done the same thing or would you not have? And I think the better way to phrase that was, you knew when you were doing this, there was a million dollar plus settlement with H&S. Like that was, in the, that was in black and white, we knew that like in those years. If someone were to get on a podcast back then and had talked about the things of what you're dealing with and these were the repercussions then, would you have done things differently over that time period to maybe avoid where you're at now? Or would you have not have done anything different with building a business, having that, you know, that success and just kind of winging it and taking that chance? Probably, yes, I would do it differently. And the reason I say that is because we had talks of like ending it, right, or not even getting into it, right? Um, I, I can tell you how they came up with the, the fine. I mean, literally, when you look at how much money was made, right, on deletes in our business i think i mentioned before it was minuscule and i probably lost money doing them you know um the way they came up with the fine number was they took the amount of basically sales that they could prove or vehicles that we deleted okay which they totaled all said and done the gross that we did in that two and a half year period was 100 grand right like that that's it so if you look at it uh, from a seven figure business 100 grand over two and a half years is minuscule i mean it's nothing right so they took that basically times doubled it, I think is what they're there. They looked at and then divided it over the three business partners. So I can say, yes, in my case, I probably would do it differently because it wasn't a big part of what we did. It wasn't like a, Hey, we want to do all this to make money. You know, it, it was literally like an add on, right? Somebody came in, they wanted to delete their truck. Okay, cool. But you earn that business and then you put a lift kit on their truck or wheels and tires, or, you know, now they're coming to you for maintenance for the next, you know, X amount of years, right. you know, or their transmission or whatever it is. Like it was an add on and we really didn't even push it that hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, so that being said, yeah, I would probably do it differently if somebody said, Hey, by the way, this isn't going to be a fine, you know, Hey, by the way, um, no waivers are not a thing, right? I, I mean, those are absolutely not a thing because still most people think they are. Um, oh, and hey, by the way, you could legitimately go to federal prison for this. And oh, here's somebody who is, you know, dealing with that and this is what they're dealing with. Yeah, I probably absolutely wouldn't have touched this up. That's so crazy. It's so wild what, what I think the long-term ramifications are, right? Yeah. Because it's something that, that they documented that you did for two and a half years, but this is something that's gonna hang with you forever. Like you said, I mean, a felony is a felony, right? It, 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 there's no time lapse on it. Uh, you, you know, there's no expiration date. So, 
So it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. What do you, are you are you still talking to your, with your with your old business partners? Do you still converse with them? What what are their thoughts or feelings on this? Um, no. So actually, part of this and part of our situation, I don't know if it basically uh, after the fact makes a difference. Um, part of this because we were per- partners is we were all pretty much demanded by the court to have no contact. Um, so basically we haven't been able to be in contact through this. Um, and then after the fact, once you are sentenced, there's the whole, Hey, you can't really communicate or hang out with other felons unless, you know, it's pre-approved by the probation office. Right. So I'm sure if we wanted to communicate, like we could, you know, each of us basically go to our probation office and say, Hey, look, you know, I want to talk to this person. They were my old business partner. This is what happened, you know, and, and there may be. You know, they may say, hey, well, since you guys committed a crime together, absolutely not. Or they may say, okay, well, based on what you guys did, you know, that's fine. You know, but yeah, I mean, essentially there is a no contact. Is, is your future endeavors to stay at the dealer and, you know, work sales, do some side wrenching? Or do you have your thoughts and heart set on maybe getting into another business once everything kind of settles? Um, you know, for the foreseeable future, Probably, you know, I'll stay where I'm at. Um, you know, there's growth potential here. Long term, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things I, I left uh, the dealership before to pursue a, a business, you know, and more than likely that's what will happen before. What capacity that looks at, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, there, there's stuff on the horizon as it is now. Um, you know, I've, I've helped a couple people in their business situations, um, taking all the mistakes I've made, learned all that sort of stuff, you know, and I, I've actually made some people quite a bit of money, <laughs> really haven't taken anything from it, you know, just more or less just helping at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, it's kind of a gray area right now is what the future is. Um, my goal right now is to get past the next six months. <laughs> right, of course, of course. Well, I mean, at least the Quickly, next right? six months, yeah. there's light at that end of that tunnel, right? And it's not this what if, what if that you've been living with over the last couple of years. So things are moving in a positive direction. You know, you see what that looks like in your, uh, you know, short future here. So, yeah, you know, that's good. Six months flies by. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look at COVID being locked up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, if you could talk to somebody who's running a shop today and they're doing deletes, what advice would you have for them? You're an idiot. Don't do it. Um, no, I mean, honestly, it would just be a lot of like sharing my story. Right. I, I mean, that's that's the goal here is to share the story. Right. It, it's not trying to basically point fingers at anybody. It's not trying to, you know, minimize what we did, how we did it. It's not trying to do any of that. Right. I, I mean, it's literally just telling the story of, look, this is what you have to stand to lose, right? I feel pretty lucky. Like a lot of people can look at it and say, holy cow, man, six months house arrest, right? I look at it as, okay, that's six months of me basically just putting my head down and grinding, right? Go home, read, study, you know, basically do that, come back to work, grind, right? Most people probably won't have that mindset, but that's where I'm at with it. Um, But when you look at, hey, I got pretty lucky and maybe, you know, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's up to the judge, right? I mean, they very easily could have been like, yeah, you know, we we don't even necessarily like the prosecution or the U.S. attorney's recommendation of seven months. We think that um, you deserve a year, right? I, I mean, they easily could have been like, hey, here's a year of federal prison time, right? Which in my case, when I have a wife, you know, and four kids and my wife's a stay-at-home mom, like, 
that would have screwed things up tremendously. Yeah, um, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, then there is this there is this progressive where we saw Idaho Rob, we saw H&S. Those were fines. Idaho Rob was a unique situation. I don't think we've ever seen that since where I think Edge had pretty similar to Idaho not Rob. Not tuning. Yeah, yeah. So Edge, I know, I know at Edge, there was rumors. I guess I shouldn't say I know. There was rumors that at Edge that they pulled the engineers in, that the employees who worked there, not just the owners, but the actual calibrators. And they made all the calibrators sign uh, an agreement that they wouldn't with do the government again. that they would not they would not create more delete tunes. Right, but Rob, Idaho Rob was- Idaho Rob, he's the only one I know of that- Can't plug into an OBD uh, or something yeah. along those lines. Cannot tune. Aside from that, it's all been dollarized fines and you go about your business. And here we are with you where, yeah, you're you're not seeing jail time, but house arrest is like that next thing in line, right? Like, let's be real. It still fucking So sucks. what happens in another year or two from now for the guys that are currently where you were a few years ago, whether they're selling it, promoting it, doing whatever they're doing, you know, a couple of years from now, it's probably going to be jail time, right? Like it's, it's going to be that natural event of that's the next step here. Any predictions on Corey Willis's case? He's been fighting the EPA vocally, socially on social media, vocally against them, <laughs> tagging um, them in every post. And tagging, I, I would say, I would say, and listen, I like Corey. This isn't this isn't a slant towards Corey by any means. This is something he's, yeah. that's publicly has happened. We've all watched this unfold on social yeah. media. Um, do you think he'll end up with jail time? You know, it, it's tough to say. Um, I am in very close contact with some people that are very close to Corey who are going through the same things as us. Um, you know, um, people, like I said, I mean, it, it's, I've built quite a network of people that are, you know, going through similar stuff and just trying to help them out of like, hey, you know, this is what this, this is what you can expect, you know, that sort of thing. Um, like I said, you know, I, I do know a few people that know Corey personally I'm not in personal contact with him so I can't give you the details there but um you know based on what he did I I think because of the timing for him he may get lucky in that sense then again the wild card is how long he's been fighting him right um the the federal government tends to not like that and, you know, so I don't know. I, I mean, to be completely honest with you, I think at this point, it's a total coin flip. Well, and he's arguably one of the biggest guys doing it for one of the longest times doing it. So yeah. why not make an example on one of the most, you know, vocalized, publicized. No, I mean, you know, if you're going to somebody, he, he's the martyr, yeah. right? I'm, I'm not saying they should. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating that, that they give anybody jail time over working on trucks. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I could understand the logic of, of skewering the guy with the biggest target on his back. That sucks. That, I don't want to see that happen, right. but it, it, it seems reasonable to, to expect. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something even he's been vocal about. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more of that um, because even not even in his case necessarily, but there's a lot of people right now that are in much worse situations than we were. You know, I mean, deleted far more trucks, made a far more money. It, it was after the, the switch over to say, hey, this is criminal. Um, and they're being quiet, right? Um, and, and not talking about their situation. But like I said, I mean, I think the problem that we're going to run into here is my case set of precedents, right? Okay, this is how much damage this person did. This is what they got, right? So what I can fully see is the next guy that they don't say, hey, um, you, we had you on 37 trucks, but at least 37, but, uh, you know, we'll plead out to the, the um, conspiracy charge, right? 
what what's going to happen now is the U.S. Attorney's Office now has a case to base everything off of, right? So the next guy that has 90 trucks or 200 trucks that they can prove, um, they're, they're going to look at that and say, okay, well, I know your deal says this, right? But the prosecutor's job is to prosecute. So even if you have that deal in place where they quote unquote recommend for the minimum, right? Those are the terms that you have to watch out for. They're going to come in and say, okay, well, they pled out to five counts, right? Instead of 200. And the judge is going to look at that and say, okay, well, this guy over here had one count. Uh, he got six months house arrest, 180 hours of community service, five years probation, you know, and, and the, the fines. Okay, well, actually, I think you should do two years in jail, you know, 300 hours of community service, five years probation, and, and 150 in fines, right? I, I think that's what you're going to start seeing a lot more of is this set the precedent of they actually have a case to relate to instead of relating it to, you know, chemical spills or whatever. Hey, this case was directly related to what we're prosecuting now. Yeah. Great. Hansuk fucked us all. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Fucking Alaska, dude. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, they, they came after, there's three other shops I know of up here that they came after, like, it was like they were waiting for our stuff to get farther along, you know, it was almost like they were waiting. And then all of a sudden those shops, like in a short amount of time, boom, 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 all got hit. Right. So now I worry about for those guys. Right. I, I mean, I haven't talked to any of these people, you know, one of the shops, one of my ex-business partners works at. So, you know, I've kind of stayed away from that situation just because of the no contact, um, you, you know, and the other situations I just haven't reached out, but I'm thinking, you know, okay, this is, not even in a national sense, this is local, right? So, you know, what happens if they prove that, hey, these other shops, I don't know what they have, right? I, I didn't ask, not my business. But if they have them on more trucks and they come in and they say, hey, you know, uh, we got you on, like I said, 200 trucks, but we'll give you this deal to plead out to five and, you know, 200 grand in fines or something. I mean, that's great and all, but hey, now you have another Alaska judge and this is what they did and this is the precedence that was set. Yeah. Jesus. So, that is yeah. Cool. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the insight you sharing your story. Uh, listeners, I hope this is something that resonates with you guys to know how serious the government is taking this. And yeah. like you said, Mike, doesn't really matter how we feel about it. It just matters what the reality is as the of black today. black and white, right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. This was Diesel Performance Podcast. Hey guys, it's Jeremy from the Diesel Performance Podcast, uh, bringing you another segment this week. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about this 06 LBZ I got behind me. Um, this truck here came in for a trans problem that it had. Um, as far as we know, the truck got towed in. We weren't here when it got dropped off. Um, we did bring the truck in and the trans was in limp mode. So we pulled the codes on it and we saw that they had a bunch of codes in it, uh, P700, P726, and some other codes in it. Um, we pulled the pan on it and we found a bunch of metal in it and the customer decided to go ahead and let's put a trans in it. Uh, the truck does only have 100,000 miles on it, so we were a little suspicious of why the trans went out at that point. Um, the cluster on it was lit up like a Christmas tree, so ABS lights, brake lights, airbag light, check engine light. 
you know, every light in the dash is almost on on this truck. So um, we've, we figured the truck's got a pretty hard life, um, even though it's only got 100K on it. So we went ahead, we put a trans in it. Um, when we put the trans in it, we finished it up on a Friday and we drove it. Um, that weekend. Uh, we like to put miles on it, so we drove it that weekend and realized that the truck kept going into limp mode. Um, when the truck's going into limp mode, it, we didn't necessarily have a scan tool at that point, and so we brought it back in Monday morning, uh, started scanning it and data logging it and trying to figure out why the truck's going into limp mode. Um, once we figured out that the truck was losing rail, um, it wouldn't maintain rail pressure. Um, so drive it down the road, get the truck up to six gear, 2,500 RPMs. Um, it would just drop rail considerably. Um, at first we're like, hey, maybe this thing just needs a, a race valve, they call it, a rail plug. Um, we went ahead and we put, went to look for a rail plug and realized that it already had one. We're like, okay, we need to dig into it a little bit further. Um, we did that and came to the conclusion that the CP3 was just not performing enough. So we got in contact with the customer and we were in contact. We gave him an update of what was going on and he was like, okay, I wanna go ahead and do it. So I just finished it up and we got it running. Uh, the truck now holds rail. Um, it runs good, drives good, shifts through all the gears good. Um, he opted out of trying to fix all the other issues at this point um, now that we got the truck drivable. and. I think he's going to be pretty happy with uh, the results of the DT750 we put behind it. So we actually put a little bit bigger trans behind it and the CP3 that we did. So uh, pro tip this week would be don't uh, don't take everything for granted. You know, you like you don't know what you're going to get into. Uh, this week, like I said, we put a trans on this truck and drove it, and we're like, hey, did we have a trans problem? And it ended up being a CP3 failure. So. Um, Drive and just uh, make sure you're in contact with customers and giving them a good product. So, um, again, if you like what you guys hear or see, give me a follow. Um, I'm always posting stuff online. So, uh, jgarnett00 on Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Ha, ha, ha.